I'm Michael Smith. And I'm Chuck Osborne. And welcome to the Iron Capital Podcast. Where we break down investment stuff with anecdotes and stories that non-financial geeks can understand. Hey, this is Michael. And this is Chuck. This is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023, the second episode of the Iron Capital Podcast. Woohoo! Yes. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, Chuck, what's on your mind today? Recession, Michael. Recession is on my mind. So That's not very fun. No, it's not fun at all. It's depressing. Uh, but that's what everyone keeps talking about. It's like, are we going into a recession? And there are many pundits who will just tell you with all certainty that we have to be going into a recession. Maybe the most depressing thing is we've been hearing this for 18 months straight. (laughs) It does seem like uh, we have been hearing it for a long time. Ready for a new movie. Um, Absolutely. Well, here's a couple questions here. First, real quickly, you know, what is a recession? Well, the textbook answer for a recession is is two quarters in a row of negative GDP growth. Um, That's always been the definition that people have used in the industry. And the, um, but we had that last year. Yeah, the problem is we've already had that. (laughs) And um, they decided that they didn't want to call that a recession. And so uh, they went to a more, you know, vague definition of just a, uh, you know, an actual slowdown in economic growth. So you actually have, you know, negative growth versus positive growth. Um, And, yeah, so that is, that is what a recession is, and um, the question is, um, are we going to go into one? Well, if we're talking about recession, we're talking about the economy, economic growth. So why don't we review quickly um, the trends in the economy now? What is going on in the economy now? Well, um, that's a great question, and you know that's what you know where a lot of of our clients will ask us that. They want to know our view on the economy. And, um, you know, one of the things that has always uh, bothered me is that people don't seem to understand that the economy is a real thing, that it's not just something you study in a classroom. It's not something you have in a quarter, you know, um, that you, 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 you get through reports or whatever. Um, it is It is real activity. And so the reaction I always get when they ask me, um, you know, how is the economy is, well, how is your business? How is your business going? And it's amazing to me that how many people discount their own personal experience as to what is actually happening. And um, in my opinion, they they shouldn't do that. So Recently, we had an opportunity to visit with one of our longtime uh, clients who's in the transportation business, or primarily in the transportation business. And so they run uh, tugboats in and out of harbors where they, they bring the ships in. Mm-hmm. They run stevedoring operations where they load and unload the ships. Uh, they help uh, bring the sh- um, you know, ships on barges up rivers and, and so forth. Um, so they're they're transporting goods, uh, you know, into the United States, or and also exports, I suppose. And so, um, you know, I always kind of laugh when they ask me, you know, what's going on in the economy because 
they would know long before I do. I mean, we, we, yeah. you know, we have to wait for a report to come out. I mean, they see it right there in real time. What is actually happening um, in terms of you know the products that are being um, moved around the country, and so. Uh, we talked to their, um, they have a location in Norfolk, Virginia. We talked to them and their response to that question, how's your business was that we're busy. Uh, last year was a record year for them, uh, the most that they had ever done. And, uh, this year they are anticipating about 1% growth from a record year. Now that's slow growth, but it's still it's growth and it's off of a record on top year. Of a record year on top yeah. of right and yeah. so that's not a recession that doesn't feel like recessionary no not at all and so um we actually talked to their cfo um, of that same company and we asked him how business was going he and it was funny because he had a little bit of a different Response. Right. Let's say the chief the CFO means chief financial officer. Right. So he's the chief financial officer of the um, of the company, and um, his response was, "Well, you know, with the interest rates going up because the Fed has been raising interest rates, uh, they are now um, having to really pay attention to how much it costs them to borrow money if they want to go out and acquire another company, and." So that is going to have an impact on them potentially in, in terms of how many deals they might do uh, this year. And so, you know, his view was a little different than the, the folks in the field who were just talking about the products that were being moved back yeah. and forth. Yeah, the actual business. Of the it. actual business, right. Yeah. So the day-to-day business versus, you know, growing the business through acquisition yeah. or what have you. Um, and then you actually had the opportunity to go to, uh, to the uh, location in New Orleans, yeah. and, um, and you asked them the same question. I yeah, think. I asked them and, uh, how, how their business was doing, and they said it was slow, but um, mainly because a big piece of their business had to do with, um, with, with the shipping of grains. That came, a lot of that would come in from Russia. Right. And so the um, you know from them specifically, um, you know the invasion of Ukraine had stopped that from coming in. Now that's not the economy as a, as you know that's not a recessionary per se. That's right. an outside force, right? So no, absolutely, and it, it it's very interesting that you get so you got one business and you get three different answers as to what's happening. Uh, within their business, and I think it's very telling of what's happening with the economy um, as a whole right now. And so, um, you know, the reason all of these pundits think we're going into a recession is because the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, you know, we've gone from basically zero to now 5%. And in the, in the overnight rate that they actually have control over, and that impacts um, all interest rates. Uh, the question is, um, does that actually impact the real economy? Yeah. And how does that impact the economy? You know, there's this uh, just belief in Wall Street that if the Fed raises rates, we're going into a recession. Period. There's no way period. around it. Period. We must have a recession. There, right. It just must happen like, you know, uh, like night follows day. 
um, you know, Fed raises rates, you have to have a recession. But do we? I mean, is that true? So, you, you know, I go back to a quote from um, Albert Einstein. It's one of my favorite quotes. He says that, you know, if uh, one really understands something, then he should be able to explain it simply. All right. And, uh, and so many times in our business, and this is probably true in all businesses, I think the experts are more uh, worried about being perceived as an expert than they are uh, to actually explain what is happening so that people can actually understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their own ego gets in their way in terms of interpreting things. Um, so no one really sits down and talks about, okay, well, how does the Fed actually impact the economy by raising interest rates? All right. And so you think from a consumer standpoint, um, you know, interest rates, all that is, is that's the cost of borrowing money. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, somebody goes out and borrows money for whatever, um, they have to pay the money back plus interest. And so that, that's what interest rates are. It's the cost of borrowing money. Mm-hmm. And why do we borrow money? Well, as consumers, primarily we borrow money for two things. I mean, we borrow money for cars and we borrow money for houses. Um, everything else that we do, hopefully, if we're being responsible, we're doing the right things. if we're doing the right things yeah. uh, financially, then... Um, you know, we're not borrowing money to go out to dinner. We're not borrowing money to buy a new shirt or to, you know, or, you know, hopefully we're not even borrowing money to do a family vacation or, or whatever it is uh, that we're doing. All the day-to-day living uh, does not involve borrowing money. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, the day-to-day living really is not impacted by interest rates. Um, so that's the consumer, and that's seventy percent of the economy is yeah. consumer spending. So there's a huge chunk of the economy just right there that is not actually impacted directly by interest rates. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then you look at a business. Okay, you know how? Why does a business borrow money? Well, similar to the consumer, um, it's for big items. You know, it's not for day-to-day expenses. At least one certainly hopes you're not yeah. working for a company that has to borrow money for day-to-day expenses. That company won't be around very long. If you do, you <laughs> might you might want to get your resume out because yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's that's not a good recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, but companies will borrow money to you know to build a new factory, to buy heavy equipment. Uh, but in today's economy, most of what they borrow money for is for mergers and acquisitions. That's true. Yep. All right. So, uh, which is different than where we were historically. No, oh, absolutely. We've seen an enormous change in the economy from being a, such a te- we're such a tech heavy economy now. Right. Versus being an industrial yeah. based economy. Yeah. Tech and services. And services. Yeah. And so the way those things, the way that changes the impact of, um, even if you look at because right the the reason that talking heads are they're looking back at history and saying well historically these had a bigger impact, right? You were you were buying these industrial things, right? Where right. Is, what does Google need to borrow money for? There's you know? no doubt. I mean, even in the 1980s, um, you know, which I say even, I mean, that was, 
you know, long time, f- now, long right? time ago now. But, yeah. uh, but it, you know, in the grand scheme of history, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, but in the 1980s, we, uh, the economy was far more impacted by interest rates because it was a heavily manufacturing-driven mm-hmm. economy. And manufacturers are going to be uh, very capital intensive, which mm-hmm. means they, which basically means they need a lot of machines. They need yep. a lot of things that cost a lot of money. Yep. Things that you will typically borrow money for. I mean, just like a consumer will typically borrow money to buy a car or to buy a house, a company is going to typically borrow money to uh, buy a uh, factory, uh, build a factory. You know, really heavy equipment, all of those kinds of things that are huge expenses, they're going to borrow money for. And so interest rates impact that. But to your point, the majority of the economy today is either services or uh, technology. These are far less capital intensive uh, than in the past. And, and really what happens is most of the borrowing that's done to the extent that, that they need to borrow money is through is for mergers and acquisitions and so um and that's what we saw with our own um client who said that you know basically the the, to the extent that their um um um, business is being impacted then you you really um it is because of mergers and acquisitions it's because they're not able to do as many business deals so we think about how does that actually impact the economy, mm-hmm. all right? So uh, you know we judge the economic activity through what we call uh, GDP or gross domestic product. So it's basically everything that's created. So let's just say you have a company, I have a company, we're both making stuff, all right? The stuff that we make gets included in in GDP. You know, wh- how much ever stuff that we make. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if we end up merging and becoming one company, we're still um, making the same amount of stuff. Yeah, the same. The, the amount of stuff being made is roughly the same. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The amount of stuff being made is is uh, roughly the same, and so that really doesn't add to growth. Um, the way people think it does. And now it, it's great for the individual companies mm-hmm. because if you know if you're the owner of the company that's being purchased, that's a big payday for you. Mm-hmm. And if you're the owner of a company that is um, you know being the purchaser, then now you have a company that's you're a bigger company, much bigger, and everybody likes being and, part of a bigger company generally if you're in management. Right, and so for the, the, it's great for the owners. Um, it's also great for Wall Street. This is the majority of what Wall Street does. I mean, so in Wall Street, you can really break it down to, to, to two different groups. You've got money managers, people who are investing you know, in companies that are already public, stocks that are already out there, bonds that are already out there. Um, and then you've got the investment bankers whose job it is to raise capital uh, for mergers and acquisitions and, you know, take companies public and all of those kinds of things. And so this is really where I think we get this negative view of the economy right now is the fact that people are being, you know, um, they're focusing on themselves. 
you know, the, all the all the experts that you hear talking about how bad the economy is. Well, their personal economy is bad. They're in finance. Right, right. Exactly. They're in finance. They they do investments. They could be connected yeah. somehow to investment banking. Right. Um, they're a CFO yeah. who who is not doing as much. Right. So all of those people have a direct negative impact on their actual world on what they're seeing. Right. And so their psychology, they're now they're seeing the world from a glass that's half empty. They're making less right. money this year than they were last year. Yeah. And and think about why that is. So, you know, part of it, again, half of Wall Street, maybe more than half, is uh, managing money. So mm-hmm. last year we had a bear market, all right? And money managers' income is tied to the assets that they are managing. If asset and, values and go so down? When asset values go down, their revenue goes down. Mm-hmm. So they are experiencing a recession. Yeah, asset, yeah, that's right. Um, the um, then the other side of that is the uh, the investment bankers, and if interest rates have gone up, the cost of capital goes up. So the cost of borrowing money has gone up, and when it costs more to borrow money, there's going to be fewer business Less deals, deal. and that's going to hurt investment bankers. Mm-hmm. So their business is down. And so they, they see that, and they were like, well, we're suffering, and that means, by definition, everyone has to everyone be. has to be suffering. So the talking head on CNBC, right? All his friends, everyone he talks to, are finance That's people. They're in investments. Yeah. This is who you talk to day in and day out. Right. It's bad for them, and, and they extrapolate that to and, the general economy. And they just project that on everybody else. Um, and it works in the reverse. This is exactly the opposite of what happened um, in the aftermath of the financial crisis in 08 and 09. And the Federal Reserve came out, and they took interest rates, you know, all the way down to zero eventually. And some countries to negative. And, and, right, and well, and negative. <laughs> right, some countries to go negative. But thankfully, that's a different thank, story. Thankfully, thankfully, the U.S. didn't, do, didn't that. do that. Yeah. Um, but we did do quantitative easing. I mean, they they were actually purchasing bonds, Their own bonds pulling from one right. bond to the other. Yeah. Injecting more money into the right, system. Right. They were they made money free. Yeah. Basically. And um, and back then we had the similar, the same talking heads that today keep telling us that we've got to be going into recession. And to your point, they've been saying this now for over a year, and they and for over a year they keep saying that we have to be going into recession. We have to be going into a recession, and we keep not going into a recession. And those same very people, for eight years after the financial crisis kept saying that economic growth is right around the corner. Uh, we're going to have 3% economic growth next quarter. We're going to have four, you know, I mean, it, the uh, the Wall Street Journal even just wrote an article about this, about how throughout that entire period um, from, you know, say 2010 to 2016 or so, the uh, you kept getting these forecasts for stellar economic growth and it kept not happening. And the reason for that is, again, it's just the reverse of what happened today. Uh, You made it very easy to borrow money. So you're boosting up asset prices. You're boosting up um, the incentives to do mergers and acquisitions and business deals. So the owner class, uh, the financial professionals, they made a lot of money. They did very well. They did extremely well. The real economy 
did not. Did not. And think it, about, I think this is extremely important to think of in the context of why the Fed has less power. During that time period, 2010, 2009, 2010, whatever, to 2016, interest rates were at zero. Yeah. And if the Fed had an unbelievable amount of power on the overall economy, then that should mean that economic growth would have been through the roof. Right. If you can bring interest rates to nothing, and that is the overall driver of economic growth in the economy, and it's unbelievably right. powerful, then you had you would have had to have had huge growth. Right. And we had subpar growth the entire time. Yeah. Well, and that also goes into, um, I mean, we're we're using the U.S. as an example, and that's probably more real for you know our listeners, you know, because that's the world that most of them will live in. But if if you want to get academic about it, I mean, go look at Japan. I mean, they've been they've been doing this for going on thirty years. Thirty four years, yeah. And it hasn't worked. Yeah, almost. Yeah. The, all, I mean, rock bottom interest rates. Right. I mean, it 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 does not um, it doesn't do what people think it does. And at some point, instead of continually going, well, the recession is just going to happen next quarter. Oh, it's going to happen next quarter. Oh. You know, we actually have good economic growth now, so that makes it even worse because we're going to have a bigger recession next quarter. Yeah. At some point, you just got to admit you're wrong. And you've got to take a look and say, um, you know, maybe the Fed doesn't have the power over the real economy uh, that they think they do. Yeah. Um, and, and that us financial and professionals that, that are more, more impacted by that right. think they do. Right. And because what happens when the Fed keeps trying to manipulate the real economy and it can't, it plays havoc on the financial world. Yeah. As opposed to what it should be doing and trying to keep things stable, it becomes more and more volatile mm-hmm. in, the, in the financial world and the financial markets because of the Fed's action, because they definitely have an impact there. On, a huge there. impact there. Yeah. Right. And so that's, you know, that's the big problem. Um, but that doesn't solve the problem for our friends in New Orleans, you know, because yeah. um, it really doesn't matter to them uh, what's going on in the economy. It doesn't matter how much demand there is for grain. You can have the biggest demand for grain ever. Um, it doesn't matter what interest rates are. I mean, we could take interest rates all the way back down to zero. Um, if the federal government says we're not bringing Russian grain into the country uh, for because of the, the war and political reasons, and let me just back up just a second, that may be absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah, I'm not saying that it isn't. The we're right, talking about the right, right thing to do, decision. but we're just talking about the economic impact of that decision. You understand that when the when the government makes a rule that is a structural barrier that you cannot get past yeah all right and so it at that point it does not matter uh what interest rates are it doesn't matter um again what the aggregate demand is you now have a rule that says no we're not doing this because um because we've made it a regulation Let's think about what we're saying here, right? What we're saying is interest rates, um, you know, the, the impact thought from interest rates are not, they're overstated, right? The impact right. From, on the economy from interest rates are overstated. Yep. But, but what is often very understated 
is the direct impact of regulation on in economic growth and how utterly important that actually is. Yeah, absolutely. And this, you know, the problem we have in our world today is that um, this is a tough conversation to have. It is not a conversation that um, fits well in our narratives. Now, even starting from like an academic um, economist standpoint, it's not a conversation that they want to have. Because in the economic community, they are absolutely fixated today with making sure that everything is quantitative. They want everything to have a number tied to it. So they will do tons of research on interest rate levels. Uh, they'll do research on taxation uh, because those things are numbers. And they can sit there and create mathematical formulas and say, see, this is the impact that these things have. And, um, and that's what the economic community wants to do. It is very challenging, if not downright impossible, to put a concrete number on regulation. Um, now, you know, people will attempt. attempt to do it, yeah. but, it, but these are estimates at best. It's very hard to be precise as to, to what the actual dollar impact is. And so from an academic standpoint, it's very difficult to really get uh, any um, economist to really drill down into the impact of regulation. Um, on a popular level, the problem with regulation is that um, it can't be um, all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can't be all or nothing. Yeah. All right, because no one in their right mind wants to live in a world where the government controls absolutely everything and you have no freedom whatsoever. And no one in their yeah, the right opposite of that is bad too. Right. And no one in their right mind wants to live in the wild, wild west where there are no rules and you know, anyone can do anything. I mean, so those are not reasonable options. Mm -hmm. But and those so, are the arguing points. But but that but that's <laughs> right. So but that's you know, that that means that you're not going to hear about this on MSNBC or Fox News because yeah. you can't. Yeah, because right, it's you, either you are all for right. all regulation or you can't. There's no regulation. There's no nuance. And, you know. Right. And the entire and the entire conversation about regulation is nuanced. Yeah. And so and, and nuance is not done very well uh, today in our society. So so it makes it very difficult. But here's what we can do. We do know, um, going all the way back to 1962, um, uh, Milton Friedman uh, um, pointed out in his uh, book, um, Capitalism and Freedom, that the, uh, there is a direct correlation between how regulated a society is and the amount of inequality in a society. Um, okay, so ultimately, that's the thing that is really driving our conversation today. Um, you think about what's going on in our world, okay, um, the interest rate movements, the trying to control the economy through the Federal Reserve, this is um, benefiting and or hurting the owner class and um, financial professionals, um, other very highly compensated people. Mm -hmm. Okay, it is leaving behind rank and file, normal, everyday folks. And we saw that post. And and we have seen crisis. that 
Right. Well, we've seen it, and we we have seen it for the last 23 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, starting in 2000, and when the Fed, you know, first you know decided to lower interest rates in response to the tech bubble bursting, and the this this entire period, we have seen that. The only exception to that. Um, when we actually had, for a brief period of time, uh, most economic growth actually going to uh, the salaries and pay of, of real people, rank-and-file people, was between uh, 2017 and 2019, before the pandemic. Um, and the reason we saw that is because that was the only period in the, and since the 90s uh, when we um, had um, actual um, reform from a regula- regulatory standpoint, uh, there was a rule put in place that said for every new regulation you had to get rid of two, so you had to consolidate, you had to streamline, you had to make the rules make sense. Mm-hmm. You can't just keep adding new rules on top of all the rules that already exist. Um, and um, and on top of that, we also got um, some corporate tax reform, which everyone had been saying was needed for forever mm-hmm. um, in, in the U.S. And uh, those two things drove economic benefits to normal people, mm-hmm. rank and file folks. Um, and so uh, you know, that's one of the things that I think at some point we got to start thinking about. We, we've got to start thinking about um, what really drives the economy and how do you actually um, help um, the everyday person. And uh, you know, ultimately, um, what history has shown us is uh, you can't do that through Fed policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's not, um, and and this is going to continue to be a frustration. Uh, because, you, you know, you've got the Fed, um, again, fighting inflation. They are obsessed with trying to raise um, unemployment. And interest rates don't really have an impact on unemployment. Yeah. I mean, they don't. I mean, um, maybe in the long, long term, you, one could argue that they have an impact if, you know, some business doesn't get founded today. Yeah. But, but let's face it, it you know. That's not very likely. I mean, um, the businesses that are successful, uh, you know, their future is not going to depend on, um, you know, interest rates, you know, for, let's say, the 10-year Treasury, which is probably a better, mm-hmm. um, you know, for all those years, it was around 2%, average around 2%. It got much lower than that at some points. Mm-hmm. but. It, it roughly averaged around two percent. Now it's at three and a half to four. You know, it's at three and a half percent now. But it's, it's been it's been in a range. Been as high as four and a half. Between between three and a half and four and a half. And the uh, if if that two percent that difference, difference is the difference company. between your company making it or not making it, it's not going to make. Then your company yeah. didn't deserve to get money to begin with. Yep. And so. Um, you know, at some point, I think we have to we have to deal with that, and we need to make sure that we are actually creating a society where um, all of the benefits are being shared um, across the board, up and down the ladder. Um, um, if we don't, um, we're not going to be sustainable. So yeah, yeah. Well, I guess this is the point where we probably should say 
our thought on on the recession coming. Yeah. You know, what 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 is your view on the chances? No one can predict this stuff. Right. We all know that. This is a but you know we are here so let's talk about your thoughts <laughs> on that. Well, right. Um, <clears throat> here's my our thought on that. And um, and part of this goes from what we actually do for um, for our living. Um, the uh, you know we're managing the investments for our clients and so to me i'm not as concerned about uh, whether we're right or not about there being a recession or not being a recession Uh, because everything we do is based on what happens in the market and what happens in the market is all relative Mm -hmm. it's not absolute Um, so um, what I can say with full conviction is that the talking heads and most of Wall Street is overly pessimistic about what is happening in the economy tonight. Um, and, and we have been that way for the better part of a year, maybe even close to a year and a half now. Yeah. And um, and they just continue. And um, and what happens just about every quarter and you take this past first quarter, our initial reading on GDP growth was one point one, which isn't great, but it's not a recession. Um, The consensus view going into first quarter from um, Wall Street economists was that we were going to see negative economic growth in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, as the quarter as the quarter went well, on and the data came in and that was not happening, sure enough, uh, people um, started to finally you know realize and then and their expectations went up. Uh, but then all they're doing is again they they just punt it forward. They go yeah. well next time. The next time that's going to be what it is, and this is the pattern that we are in. And we continue to be in uh, for some time. So, um, so as far as our job is concerned, I think the only thing that really matters to us is that right now Wall Street's being overly pessimistic, mm-hmm. and that means that there are opportunities being curated for long-term investors yeah. because things are not going to be as bad as projected. So, what does that mean in terms of will there be a recession or will there not be a recession? Um, um, our view is that um, we will either escape having a recession, period, or it will simply be a very mild recession, mm-hmm. and um, and we will get back to, to economic growth. Yeah, um, I think the biggest risk from that view um, has nothing to do with what the Fed does. I think the biggest risk from that view is probably is. Um, um, regulatory you know does the government do anything um, crazy right now we're talking about the debt limit uh, being raised and uh, the house of representatives have passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling but um, you know the senate and and the administration are playing hardball they don't like the deal and so that could be a big issue there are things like that that could drive us into a recession but it's not going to be the Federal Reserve. Yeah. And, um, and I think in the longer term, at some point, we've got to start to, there needs to be a realization. Um, it goes back to one of my favorite quotes from Keynes, is that 
Um, the problem is never coming up with new ideas. The problem is letting go of the old ones. And um, at some point, people have to let go of the idea that simply by raising an interest rate or lowering an interest rate that the Federal Reserve can actually control the economic activity in our, in our system. You know, that, um, and quite frankly, we need to do that because um, you know, by trying to control something they can't control, they are oftentimes wreaking havoc in the <laughs> yeah in the asset world. Well, so. and we've said this before, and I'm not gonna we're not gonna go too deep. It'll probably be more another another day. But recessions aren't something to be feared. They're a part, natural part of what has to happen in the economy, and there are issues from trying to stop them from ever occurring in the first place. Yeah, we've got to get to a point where these natural things that happen have to be allowed to happen so that they can be normal. Right, right. <laughs> and then we, you know, every five, six years you have a true market cycle and you do what, what needs to be done there and and that that's a normal part of the business cycle. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, um, again, that is part of the problem that we have. We have this, um, in my opinion, um, almost irrational fear of, uh, of going into recession. And so policymakers, both in um, Congress um, and in the Fed, are do everything they can normally to try to avoid a recession. You could argue this time that the Fed's actually trying to cause a recession yeah. <laughs> to fight inflation. That's a good argument. But that is not—but um, uh, both of those things come with— um, a lot of baggage that is not desirable, and uh, one really wonders if we should go back to just a, a, a policy of, um, you know, allowing the business cycle to go through its stages, and then instead of worrying about stopping the recession from happening, just worry about helping the people through whatever ramifications, you know, happen. And um, and that's something that I think is is also missed uh, because there's no economic school of thought that I'm aware of that does not believe that there is an, an absolute need for a, a social safety net. Um, now there might be criticisms into specific programs how you enact and that. how you do, you do that. that. Is it efficient or, and so forth and so on? But but. Um, but yeah, that's really what I think the government should do. They should allow the economy to do what the economy is going to do, and then just worry about protecting the people. If if we do go into recession, uh, make sure the benefits are there and that the government is sound enough to actually uh, take care of their citizens, so we can get through it and then get to the other side, realizing that there will be a better day on the other side. And obviously, what so what you know, I guess the real question here is what should the Fed? be doing here, right? You've got a dual yeah. mandate for the Fed. One piece of that is employment. Another piece is inflation-oriented. Right. But the question is, and obviously helping people, that's not the Fed. Right. You know, what is the, you know, what do we think the Fed's actual role here should be? Yeah, so in our view, uh, what the, the Fed should be focused on is the stability of the dollar. And um, that obviously means a focus on inflation. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it should go without saying, but it's pretty obvious that 
we wouldn't be in the inflationary environment that we're in, most likely, if the Fed had not been trying so desperately to stimulate the economy mm-hmm. uh, previously. But the Fed should um, worry about the dollar being stable, and they should worry about the um, uh, in terms of inflation, but also in terms of uh, relative to uh, um, commodities, relative to um, other currencies. And, and if you create a stable uh, currency world, then that provides um, a lot of help and support to the, to the financial markets um, in the long term. And you're just going to have less volatility. You're going to yep. have less of this constant um, crisis and, and um, manipulation overreaction and so forth. overreactions uh, reactions, and reactions right. yeah yeah all so. right well I think we're getting close to the end here probably right. the, so that's you know that's the end of episode two Woo! we will uh, we'll say bye bye now and bye. we will uh, talk to you all later all right Capital Advisors is an independent registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Atlanta with clients nationwide. Learn more about us at ironcapitaladvisors.com. The Iron Capital Podcast is produced by Iron Capital Advisors. Our awesome original theme music was written and performed by Michael Smith and Leah Calvert. This content is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or advice. Clients and employees of Iron Capital may maintain positions in the securities discussed. Please like and subscribe to the Iron Capital Podcast on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back with another episode soon.